thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. In the late 1960s, Daniel Eugene Rudiger grew up in the state of Illinois, and he dreams of playing football for Notre Dame. But he, he lacks the grades and the money necessary to attend Notre Dame, so he goes to a junior college and attempts to get the grades necessary uh, to, to make it into the college. Um, and there he discovers that he has a learning disability called dyslexia, but that doesn't stop him. Uh, he learns to work through that disability, and, he, uh, and he, in, in his last semester of eligibility to get into Notre Dame, he, he gets in. He gets accepted. But just because he gets accepted in the college doesn't mean he's on the football team, right? So he is a walk-on tryout for the college football team of Notre Dame. And, and he, he goes out there, he does his best, he tries hard, and he barely makes the practice squad. And his dream is just to, is just to play football, just, just at least one game for Notre Dame. And, and he, he makes a practice squad and he convinces the coaches to, to keep him on. So he's on this practice squad, he's, he's working hard, and then through all his hard work and his perseverance, he's actually able to suit up for the last home game of the season at Notre Dame. And, and during this, this game, as the game comes to the end of regulation time, Notre Dame has a considerable lead, and from the, the stands, a, a chant starts, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, right? So you see, Rudy had suited up, but he, he hadn't played in the game yet. And, and that was his dream was to play in the game. So the coach puts him in with only a couple plays left of the game. And on defense, Rudy sacks the opposing team's quarterback on the last play of the game. And after that play, all the fans storm the field. They pick up Rudy and they carry him off into the sunset. And until 1995, he was the only player ever to be carried off the Notre Dame field. Don't you love a story like that? Like, that, that's a true story, by the way. There's a movie about it, but it's an actual true story. And Rudy, he could have quit at any point in that story. He could have quit because of his financial situation. He could have quit because of his learning disability. He could have quit after the numerous rejections that he got from Notre Dame. He could have quit after only making the practice squad. But Rudy was not content with being on the sidelines. Rudy wanted to play in the game. And we see a story like that and we go, yeah, that's inspirational. What a legend. And a lot of, a lot of us think, yeah, you know what? I'm like Rudy. I would overcome all the odds to achieve my dreams. Except you don't. Unlike Rudy, we become so content with sitting on the sidelines of our own lives. You know, if we, if we watched the movie Rudy and, and, it, and it was him and he's like, man, I got this dream of playing football at Notre Dame. And then after high school, he doesn't go to college and he just works at his dad's steel mill for the rest of his life. And we watched a movie about that. We'd go, yo, what garbage did I just watch for two hours? This guy didn't do anything. Right? Like you, if you saw that movie, you'd be like, this is, this is kind of lame. And I think some of us... The sad part is some of us, I think God is looking at us. I think he's seeing the potential we have in our lives. 
the gifts, the talents he's given us, and he's saying, yo, what is this garbage? <laughs> that, to be honest with you, is the scariest, the scariest thought for my life. Is that I would come to the end of my days, I would look back, and I would think, man, how, why did I waste my potential? Why did I never live up to my purpose? And I'm reminded of this parable in, in Matthew 25. And this parable goes like this. There's a master, and he's going away, and he calls three servants. And to the first servant, he gives a bunch of money, and he says, hey, go and do a bunch of stuff with this money while I'm gone. And he gives the second servant a bunch of money, and then he gives the third servant some money, and, and he goes away for a while. And when he comes back, he calls the servants. He goes, yo, what's up, guys? You invest in my money? What'd you do? I was just out in Hawaii. I got a pretty nice tan. I'm hoping you did some things. And the first person comes up. The first servant comes up. He's like, hey, I doubled what you gave me. And the master's like, sick. I'm going to give you a bunch more because you're cool, brah. Give me some nuts, right? And the second servant comes up, and uh, he's like, okay, all right, so uh, what'd you do? What'd you do with all that, that money I gave you? And he's like, I doubled it, dude. He's like, yeah, bro. Give me a high five. Here's a bunch more stuff. Go have fun. You earned it. This third servant comes up. And he goes, hey, what'd you do with that money I gave you? The third servant is like, oh, man, see, like, I was, like, worried that, like, I wouldn't do anything good with it. So I kind of just, I buried it, and here it is, dude. And the master, master's like, are you serious? You didn't do anything with it. Nothing. Not even a little bit. He's like, nah. And the master's like, well, you know what? You don't use it. You lose it, right? Get out of here. And I look at that parable and I think, man, which one of those servants am I going to be? I see the way God has blessed me and in my life and, and being where I'm at. And I think, man, all that God has given me, am I going to use it to its fullest potential or am I going to bury it? See, I think some of us take all our potential and we waste it sitting on the sidelines. And you know, you know where I see people waste their potential the most? The church. The church. I think so many of us wonder and go through our lives and we wonder what, what is our purpose? What, what's our reason for living? There, there has to be more to this life than, than what I'm seeing. And I think so many of us look for purpose in, in the wrong places. I think many of us are, are looking for purpose in our, in our college degrees. I think we're looking for our purpose in our significant others. I think a lot of us look for purpose in our careers. In fact, like, let's talk about that for a second. This group right here is a mix of two generations. We've got millennials and we've got the Gen Z. But I think we've got some things in common. See, our, our generations are willing to take pay cuts to work jobs we love at places where the values line up with ours and at places where we have value to the company or organization. We want to find purpose in anything possible. But I want to tell you something. God wants to give you purpose. God wants to give you purpose. And I'll tell you, God gave you a place that gives you 
purpose, belonging, acceptance, and value. And it's called the church. And most of us just come in on a Sunday morning, get some free coffee and donuts, enjoy some nice live music, listen to a 30-minute Christian TED Talk, and then slip out the back door without anybody noticing, right? But the church is more than that. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about how we are the body of Christ, how the church is the body of Christ. And I think it's on your printouts, but if you want to open your Bibles as well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. And I'm reading the message translation. I will go through multiple translations and just find one that like, I just really like. This one I really liked because of how they worded it. It just made me understand, and it clicked. So I'm going to read through this. It's pretty lengthy. Bear with me. <clears throat> Paul says this. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of this one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then when we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of, each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. What I get from that is when you are in the body of Christ, that you have purpose. The thing that we all are craving and striving for to find out what is our purpose, your purpose is found in the body of Christ. Each one of us has an important part to play, a role that God wants us to fill. There's an interesting stat. I don't know if it's completely true or if it's just a saying, but it goes like this. 80% of the work done in church is done by 20% of the people. 80% of the work done is done by 20% of the people. Can you imagine if only 20% of your body worked? Like, imagine that. Imagine 20% of your body working. Like, like, just like imagine that like we, we're the body of Christ, like Jesus is the head, right? Imagine he's trying to use his body, but only 20 of it, what 20% of it wants to work. Like, that's, that's what's happening. 
We out here like, hey, Jesus, how come, how come you, you do nothing about that homeless guy in the corner who's begging for food? And Jesus is like, yo, I gave you the sight to see him on the corner before you got in line at In-N-Out and you didn't grab him a burger with that $20 you found in your skinny jean pocket this morning? Come on, bro. I think God gets frustrated with us because we are, as the Bible says, ambassadors, yet we don't live up to our potential. Let me say it this way. God gave you gifts so you don't have to sit on the sidelines. Like, you don't have to sit and watch God do all the work. You actually get to play in the game. Have you thought about it like that? When you see all the things going on in the world and you wonder where God is, God is like, hey, I put you here so that you can go and do the work. I made you a part of the game so that you can play the game. Because, you know, Jesus can easily play the whole game himself. Jesus can throw a touchdown pass to Jesus every time. But you are created uniquely and beautifully to fill a position and be wonderful at it. We're looking for fulfillment in our lives at every possible corner, yet we waste our purpose and potential by not being involved in the church. Here's one of my main points, is that God didn't create you to be a bench warmer. God didn't create you to be a bench warmer. God created you to be a starter. But that's what some of you are, bench warmers. Just bodies in seats, sipping on caramel macchiatos. You know, I, I, think, I think there's reasons. I, I, I believe that there's reasons some of us have for, for not getting involved in the church. And, you know, I think, I think some of us, maybe we have a wrong view of the church. You know, I, I, think, I think we don't, see, uh, we don't see what the church was intended for. Some of us, I think, only come to church because we got dragged to it. Or uh, some of us come because we think that, that that's how we get into heaven is God checks our attendance records and wants to make sure we attended at least 30 Sundays a year. Some of us don't want to be involved in the church because the people in the church have hurt us. Or, or we feel like the people in the church are too judgmental. Some of us see the way people who call themselves Christian act and don't want to be a part of it, and I, I totally get it. I think there's a lot of opinions about the church. Outsiders hate to see the hypocrites. Insiders also hate to see the hypocrites. Our generation hates to see dead faith. The enemy loves to see a dead church, a church full of people on the sidelines. I think we need to look at the potential of the church as a whole and strive to get there. 
Like, could you imagine what the church could do if 100% of the people who attended actually served and played their role in the church? If 100% of the body was fully functioning and working at all times, can you imagine the change you would have on the world? Can you imagine the change in perception that the church would get? See, I think we have a wrong view of the church because we're seeing a church on the sidelines. And if we were tired of seeing the church on the sidelines, then we need to get out there and play. I always say, be the change you want to see. Be the church you want to see. I think another reason that, that we, we are, don't get involved in, in church and serve in the church, fear. I'll tell you what. The devil doesn't want you to play the game, right? Because he's on the other team. He's on the team we play in. Like, he wants you on that bench. This is like spiritual space jam, all right? We're the tune squad because some of you are really loony, all right? But we're, we're, we're the tune squad, and, and the players on the other team, they're the, they're the monsters, and, and the players on the other team are fear, fear of failure, fear of inadequacy, Fear of embarrassment. Sometimes we don't get involved as, as leaders. We don't get involved in ministry. We don't get involved in the church because we think that we lack the skill. We, we think, oh, we don't know all the answers. We, we think we aren't smart enough or we're not attractional people, whatever that means. I got news for you that, that God used whomever he wants when he wants. And the Bible is filled with imperfect people executing God's perfect plan. Some of us don't get involved because we, we think we have to be perfect. We're, we're perfect pasts, but, but that's the opposite of truth. God constantly uses people with shady pasts. He uses some really shady people in the Bible. People I want to trust within 10 feet of me, God uses them for big things. None of us are perfect. The most squeaky clean person in this room is not squeaky clean. He looks nice, but he's not that clean, I promise you. What, 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 what happens when we let our past get in the way of us being involved in the church? I'll tell you, it, your past becomes a cage. God wants to give you purpose. And what that means is that he wants to give your story a purpose. See, what the enemy wants to use to hinder your performance, to keep you on the bench, God wants to use as your greatest weapon. I think when we use our past to serve in the church, then it becomes a weapon. Like, do you want to be in a cage on the sidelines, or do you want to be used like Steph Curry, like fourth quarter, hitting that dagger three to win the game? Because when we let God use our story in the church, it gives purpose to the pain of the past mistakes. Our mistakes no longer become dead weight of shame that we drag around, but become a platform that we stand on. Do you hear that? 
You don't have to be perfect to be a part of the church. The things that you are ashamed of, God will literally use for you to stand on and make a difference because there are people outside of the church that believe with their whole hearts that God does not love them and he does not want them because of the things they've done or continue to do or how they look and that he doesn't want them because they are damaged. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, the furthest thing from the truth. And he wants to use you to show them that his love conquers all things, bears all things, and redeems all things. The beautiful thing is that serving in the church, serving Jesus, isn't something we have to do. It's something we get to do. It's not something that we have to do. It's something we get to do. We all have important roles to play in the body of Christ. For some of us, it's, it's maybe it's this platform. It's speaking or it's leading worship. I know a few of you shared your testimonies a couple weeks ago, and God used that in incredible ways. For some of us, God wants you to, to, to simply greet people, to make people feel welcome. Maybe it's just being a friendly face. For some of us, it's, it's leading some discussion. For some of us, it's, it's mission trips, maybe downtown Fresno or in another country. For some of us, it's, it's caring for the homeless or those less fortunate. And I don't know what your gifts are. I don't know what God wants to do in your life, and I won't pretend to know the answers, but I know that he wants to do something. I think to overcome our fear of getting off the sidelines, and to overcome our wrong view of what church is, we have to trust that God has a game plan. In order to get ourselves off that bench, we have to trust that God has a game plan. How many of you watch professional sports? You watch any type of NFL, NBA, women's sand volleyball, whatever it is, okay? Listen, when they call a timeout, they call a timeout, who gives the game plan during that timeout? The coach, right? Who's our coach? God. This is really cheesy. I know. Bear with me. God's our coach, right? But when the coach gives the game plan in that timeout, who's he giving it to? Is he giving it to the fans in the stands? Hey, yo, this is what we're going to do. No. Does he give it to the people on the bench? No. He gives it to the players in the game. Sometimes it takes a step of faith off the sidelines into the game and trust that your coach is going to give you the game plan. If you're waiting to know all the answers before you get off the bench and get into the game, you're going to be on that bench all game long. I've got a sad truth, a really sad truth for you guys. If you don't play... God will call on the ones who will. If you choose to sit on the bench, God's going to call out the person next to you. God's going to call on the ones who will play. I remember my freshman year of basketball, I was about three inches shorter and 100 pounds skinnier. And um, I was out there playing. And I remember my, my coach could call me in from the game and he benched me. And I was kind of mad. I was... Wow, okay. 
And by a little mad, I mean I was I was pretty I was pretty angry. And I sat down on the bench and I'm just sitting there and <laughs> a couple minutes later, like not long, like a couple minutes later, my coach points over at me and he's like, and I was like, oh, oh, that's how it's gonna be, huh? You're just gonna pull me out and then put me back in. Mm-mm. So you know what my coach does? He points to the guy next to me, in. Sends the next guy in. I was benched the rest of the game. I talked to my coach. I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? You never, you never put me back in after that. He goes, I called on you. I called on you to get back in there in the game. And he didn't go. You got benched. You can sit there. I was like, oh, snap. After that, every time he called on me, yeah. I'm in. I'm in right away. As soon as he called. If you, if you don't play, the coach ain't calling on you. That freshman year basketball team had a lot of problems. Like a lot. More than just my freshman attitude. We had a lot of disconnect. We had four-foot players trying to, you know, be a postman. We, we, we got me out there trying to, like, shoot threes. I mean, it was, it was all disconnected. And I remember our coach called a meeting, and he said, listen, we have to play as a team. Each of you has a position. Play your position. Be smart. Work together. He said, this is your team. This is your team. This is your home team. I remember that. I remember him saying, this is your home team. I was like, yeah, it's my home team. We ain't no visitors. We home team, but I'll tell you, the church, the church is your home team. The church is your home team. Each one of us has a part to play. If we ain't playing our parts, there's a lot of disconnect. You play your part. There's going to be harmony, and there's going to be victory. Don't let your life go by sitting on the sidelines of your faith. Because then you're just taking up space on the roster. You're just taking up space on the roster. I'll tell you, God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you, but he calls you. God doesn't need you, but he wants you in the game. God doesn't want you to be a bench warmer, but he'll let you be one. If you don't answer the call, I think you miss out on your purpose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with this. There was this show that I used to watch in high school, and some of you may have seen it. Don't judge me. It's called Blue Mountain State, and I said, yeah, please don't go watch it. In this show, okay, there's a character that just made me so angry, okay? He's like the main character. His name is Alex, and he's the backup quarterback, the second-string quarterback for Blue Mountain State University, but the thing that made me mad is that he was good enough to be starter. He was good enough to be starter, but he was content with being backup quarterback. In fact, any time he started to do really well, he would, he would mess up on purpose. He would throw an interception because he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to play the game. He didn't, he didn't want to be the starter. He didn't want to be the star. 
I'm like, who does that? Who does that? I mean, do, do you guys want to go through your life as a backup quarterback, being on the sidelines? Or do you want to fulfill your potential and purpose? Sometimes it just takes a little bit of faith to get off the bench and into the game. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this night in this place, Lord. God, each one of us here has so much potential and purpose. God, I pray that we would find it in you, Lord, that we would stop searching outside of you for things only you can provide, God. Lord, I pray that you show us, show us where you want us to serve, God, in the church. Lord, whether that's, that's serving in, in high school ministry, God, or it's serving in missions, Lord, or it's, or it's greeting people on a Sunday morning, God, I pray that you show us the, the little steps to take so that we can get off the bench and into the game, God, so that you can show us your game plan one play at a time, Lord. God, we lift up this discussion to you. God, may it all be for your glory, and may we dive deep tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.